Greetings. This is Recess Tonight. I'm Alan. Uh, my name's Rob. Rob, we are going to break down 12 leads, baby. Well, we're not going to break them down necessarily, but we're going to talk about talk about advanced 12 lead stuff so uh, for nurses. So we've got exciting stuff that we want to talk about, right? Well, like, I, I find it exciting. Like our cousin uh, Scarbosa, our friend... Uh, you know, the lead that gets no respect, the AVR, right? Rodney yeah. Dangerfield, you get it? Yeah, totally. I get it. It wasn't very good, but I get it. Are we going to talk about uh, our Uncle Welly, you know, Wellens? We're not talking about Wellens. I know you're obsessed with Wellens, but how about this? I'll commit to this. If people actually listen to this and want to talk about Wellens, we will do a Wellens uh, talk. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's get this going. Break it down for me. Unpack this. What do we got? Okay, so I think the the reason why, and by the way, um, this is probably going to turn into a fight between Alan and I, just FYI. Um, the reason why we're talking about 12 leads, and we're not talking about typical STEMI localization. That's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I think that that, if I'm being honest, and I'm going to make a statement and people can agree or disagree, you can disagree, you usually do. STEMI localization should be something every acute care nurse can do. I said it. You did. Because, I mean, if you think about it, in the eMERGE, that's the context I know and love, so I understand it. Um, So I'm going to speak to that. When I order a 12 lead, if I order anything, I should know the ramifications of it and the point of why I'm ordering this thing. I should know what I'm looking for. And semi-localization is, I would say... Step one in ordering 12 leads. Um, I think it's important that you can localize and understand what's happening with your patient. I, I agree. I think I just said I. You've said some interesting words over the last couple of weeks, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Nebulous was in there. Oh, uh, that's a shout out to our girl, Jacqueline Carter. Jacqueline, if you're listening, shout out. Nebulous is from you. I think I used nigh as well. I think I've been reading too much Shakespeare. I agree, though, about stem, about 12 leads. You need to know why you're ordering a test because um, there's got to be some sort of pretest probability. But, you know, we'll unpack that at a later date. All right, let's break it down. Okay. Patterns you should know cold. Totally. So we've talked about localization of, of STEMIs, important. And there are tons of great resources out there. We can post some in the show notes. We're happy to do that. Um, but we're going to move past that. We're going to more, the more advanced stuff here for, for uh, our, our acute care nursing colleagues. So the first one I want to talk about is, I believe you called Scarbosa our cousin. Um, I wish I had an Italian cousin. That'd be amazing. Um, Scarbosa criteria or modified Scarbosa criteria, as it is now known. Um, and, and so realistically, it's an important one to understand. Why? Yeah, okay, fair enough. So Scarbosa criteria is something we use when, you could say when you have any wide QRS complex, and what we're doing is we're diagnosing a STEMI in the face of a wide QRS complex. But let's make it practical and direct. You're doing this in the face of left bundle branch blocks and ventricularly paced rhythms. You with me here, buddy? Almost. Okay. Keep going. So... The reason why you can't use typical ST elevation in the leads, um, 
to diagnose a STEMI or to, to see what looks to be a STEMI in the face of those two wide QRS complex um, conditions is that they're going to cause alterations in the isoelectric line and going to cause alterations in the um, uh, ability to display appropriate ST elevation. If you called every single left bundle branch block uh, a STEMI, you're just going to be the boy or girl who cries wolf all the time and who is going to be patted on the head and said, sorry, that's you're wrong. So this is about getting some tools behind your information. Ah, uh, uh, right. Because if I recall, a left bundle branch block does not look normal. There's like squiggles all over the place. But what you're describing it as at a cellular level is not going through the normal channels. That's why it looks like that. 100%, buddy. Yeah, right. nailed it. Yeah, All very, right. very good. All right, cool. So unpack this for me, though. I'm at triage or I'm in an acute care or whatever. And patient is undifferentiated. It came with chest pain, cardiac features, you know, that straightforward stuff. Doc hasn't been there to see them because, quite frankly, it's busy, right? Guy looks well, though. Good story. 12 lead looks like a left bundle branch block how like determining scarbosa like i would just grab an old 12 lead like in compare like how would scarbosa help me in the moment though yeah okay good call um first thing there turns out you are a good triage nurse and there's something i like that you're doing here is gentleman walks in we're just saying gentleman just as an example walks in um gets a 12 lead right away right because that's that's really gold standard quick 12 lead on something that sounds cardiac in nature grab that 12 lead and you look at it and you see a left bundle wrench block because you're a smart boy and you understand your basics of 12 lead and you say that's a that's an lbb okay so first thing you should do check and see if that is a brand new left bundle wrench block a brand new left bundle wrench block can be um a STEMI equivalent for this individual Okay, so if you look at the old one and there's a left bundle branch block on that one, a lot of folks might look at that and say, okay, I'm done with this. Wash my hands, push this over to the dock. It's a pre-existing left bundle branch block. I am advocating that we go one step further because shocking news, someone who has a left bundle branch block, possibly from previous coronary artery disease, could be having a STEMI. This is where the red lights flash and, and people say, I told you so. Nah. So this guy could be having a STEMI with his LBB. So guess what? Applying your Scarbosa criteria to that new 12 lead is going to give you information on whether you need to get up from your very comfortable chair at your computer at triage, walk over to an emergency physician and say, hey, colleague physician, left under wrench block, but he meets Scarbosa criteria. Can you take a look at this? I think he needs your attention. Ah, so it's almost like a secondary screen, really. Because that's saying what you're implying. Not all left bundle branch blocks are the same. It could be an old left bundle branch block. Yeah, maybe from a previous jammer or something. But does doesn't mean that they can't have another jammer on top of that. 100%. Is, and someone right. who's shown an ability to have a previous heart attack and has the propensity to have another one. Shocking statement, right? All right, all right. So to, uh, to get better, uh, get a pre-existing, or sorry, get an old 12-lead, compare it. If it's the same, go a step further. Try your hand at Scarbosa-ing it. Um, I don't think we're going to break down the criteria. Can we just say, look it up online? Life in the Fastlane's probably got it. Um, you know, litfl.com. Still, at Precordial Thump. Chris Nixon's got my favorite of all-time handles, so good on him. All right. Uh, one, one more thing I want to bring in with oh, that. Oh, God, what else? Is I agree, yes, there's no point in memorizing Scarbosa criteria unless you're an uber loser. 
<laughs> like some people I know, you know who I'm talking about. You. Others as well. There's no point in memorizing it because you may as well just offload that cognitive load to life in the fast lane, look it up, and it's going to give you the criteria. They are very, very short criteria to understand and apply. You can do this. You are a highly intelligent healthcare provider. No point in getting scared off by this one. Right on. All right. Next pattern uh, that we should be thinking or no cold. That would be Brugada. Ah. Doesn't Brugada sound more Italian than Scarbosa? Maybe not. I don't know. Anti-Brugada. Anti-Brugada. Oh, okay. We're moving through the family. I see. Yeah, exactly. Cool, buddy. Um, So Brugada. Brugada is, it's an ECG abnormality. That's what it is. If we're really looking at it and it's, it's linked to a high incidence of sudden cardiac death. That full stop sentence period done. That's what it is. So these are the people that drop dead. Yeah. And, and they're in structural, these are in people with hearts that are structurally normal. There's nothing wrong with the heart. Mm. They just drop dead. Yeah. Uh, question though, is it different than uh, the athletes that drop dead? Yeah. Great, great question to which we did not talk about beforehand. And I literally have no idea. I, I think they are different in most cases, because when you have, because uh, usually for, uh, I'm thinking back to that one hockey player, we're Canadian, so, you know, hockey, that one Canadian hockey player in Arizona, he was like in the AHL, he collapsed uh, on the ice, and then, you know, he went on ECMO and everything like that, but they ended up finding out that he had like severe uh, cardiomyopathy and left ventricular hypertrophy just from being an athlete. Interesting. Yeah, so all that remodeling just from being an elite athlete and all the exercise. Huh. So I'm going to call it right now. We're going to have a massive amount of Twitter uh, messages um, correcting or um, giving you props. I hope that it's correcting you. I think so. Uh, yeah. Please correct us if uh, if we're wrong, because I think that we're usually okay with our stuff, but, you know, have been known to make mistakes and, and fail there. Pretty sure he was that ice hockey player was a centerman too. All right, sorry. Back to it. Uh, we're talking about anti Brugada. Yeah. So with 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 Aunt Brugada, what we're talking about here is there's an increased prevalence in Southeast Asian folks, um, and those are the individuals who really what's happening is they're having a sodium channel abnormality. That's the the etiology of it, and it's a genetic component in these individuals quite often. And so what's happening is they're having some sodium channel, sodium channel problems and it results in their structurally normal heart stop beating effectively, resulting in death. If we're talking to, if, we're, if I'm breaking it down for you, like you're five years old. Do they, do they go into PEA or do they go like VF or something? Or does anyone know because they just dropped dead? Yeah, so I don't think a lot of data is behind the specific um, dysrhythmia that they go into. But that being said, um, the individuals that you're looking for with this have had documented times of VF or polymorphic VT. Uh. So they've had that happening, but I'm not willing to go as far as to saying that that's the um, arrhythmia that they roll into. Yeah. So if you're lucky enough to get some sort of history then it might be that but no one really knows for sure wow that's fascinating so okay well i'm a practical person though but if we're uh, if we're a clinician like on the floor boots on the floor in the moment though you got uh, a 
male or female presenting to your ED with the risk factors of family, familial history of sudden cardiac death or whatever. But a very specific, because there's, you, it's oh, young. South, yes, young South Asian, like. Totally. All Less right. than 45 has been thrown around a lot, to be honest. And uh, so, yeah, young sudden cardiac death. Okay, so they come in there and they say they fainted or something, right? That's like, right, ring the alarm and I'm throwing elbows back to acute care with a monitor. Without a doubt. And for these folks, you're looking for a specific pattern, right? You're looking for this specific um, Brugada coved pattern, which we're going to throw into the show notes again, Life in the Fast Lane. It's an amazing uh, resource for this. But the, the big ones that I'm listening for at Triage is, like I said, the family history, less than 45. I'm um, very interested in the previous history, documented history of VTV or polymorphic uh, VTAC. Um, syncope is a big winner for these folks as well. And the last one, which you might want to be talking to partners or family about is, um, nocturnal agonal respirations, (laughs) right? So it might be described to you as someone who, you know, just needs some CPAP is what you're thinking, but possibly those could be the agonal respirations at nighttime for this folk, this person who's suffering from brucata. I've never heard of that. Uh, now it makes me think, oh man, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a pearl there. All right. So we got Scarbosa, Antibrugada. Uh, what's the other one now? So I want to talk about AVR. Ah, uh, our roommate, AVR. Well, they're not in our family anymore. We're just moving uh, away from them. Yeah. Kind of like, un- like unattached. Okay, cool. So I want to talk about AVR and you might be comfortable with AVR. You might not be either way. Um, whatever... Hang on, hang on a sec. Just so we're all clear and make sure it's clear in my head. AVR is the is the lead that's next to one on a 12 lead, like to the right of one. And it's always opposite of all the other ones, right? It isn't always opposite, but I agree with your location. <laughs> I mean, by the way, I'm really glad that you know where the leads are on a 12 lead. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked about that. So yeah, without a doubt. So AVR often looks opposite. And I think it's a really good point that you make with that it looks opposite because most folks, and I remember in paramedic school for myself, and I remember doing a 12 lead course, the thing that was said about uh, AVR was make sure it's opposite as everyone else, because then you know your leads are on correctly. Yeah, that's what I remember. Because it always says... AVR always has T-wave inversion. Yeah, interesting, right? And so that was the, for the longest time, that was my thought was, well, that's all AVR is good for. Kind of an interesting thing to take up a spot on a 12 lead for, if you're being honest. (laughs) That's that's pretty precious real estate, right? (laughs) Just for something that confirms that you have lead one, two, three on correctly. So the important thing with AVR is that AVR shows very, very high LMCA occlusion. And I use the word left main coronary artery, LMCA, occlusion with a bit of trepidation. And the reason for it is there are a lot of very intelligent humans out there who have an issue with calling it LMCA occlusion as opposed to low flow, as opposed to some other words. But how about this? Let's go with the idea of there is an interruption or a problem with the flow through the left main coronary artery. And let's go back to our patho way, way back in the day. That left main coronary artery flows the moneymaker of your heart, your cirque, and your left main. All bad things to stop blood flow to. Am I right? So 
It's like the... How different is that from the LAD, the left anterior descending? Yeah, so... Or is it more proximal to it? AVR is much, much more proximal, is what it's looking at. It's looking at very, very high, high up before you even have the bifurcation oh. into... Oh, your, yeah. the reality. money maker, baby. Yes, yeah, so when I say money maker, yeah. literally I'm talking yeah. about brings the dollar like, bills. That's like the Euphrates before it breaks off, or the Nile before it breaks off, right? The fact that you brought up world geography of the Euphrates <laughs> is ridiculous. Okay, so let's go back to this. Let's talk about back to healthcare. So ST elevation in this lead can occur. It can just be there. Um, you can have a minimal amount of elevation in it, but what we're looking for in an AVR STEMI, which is a very, very high left main occlusion, is very specific criteria. Once again, no point in going through that. You don't want to hear my voice talk about that stuff. Go onto Life in the Fast Lane and look at the exact criteria. When I'm going through my 12 lead, I'm going to make a confession to everybody. I go through my 12 lead the exact same way every single time. So therefore, I never, ever miss anything. And AVR now is part of the way I go through a 12 lead because I don't ever want to miss an AVR STEMI. Do you go through the same way through a 12 lead every time? Yeah, I go through it the same way every single time, except that I just ignore the AVR lead. <laughs> Right. You just want to make sure it's on the right way. Okay. So we're working at making Alan a better nurse today too. I love it. I love it. It's great. So with these individuals, really the, the, the most important piece with an AVR STEMI that I want you to take home here is that it can be indicative of a very, very high left main occlusion. And when it meets criteria and you have it matched up with a great clinical picture, this is a STEMI, STEMI equivalent. People like to call it a STEMI equivalent. Um, and this person... It's a good chance they need to be cathed and cathed soon because you might be dealing with a V-fib, V-tac arrest real quick uh, if that blood flow were to cause that myocardium to get any more upset and it throws a tantrum. Wow. Really? With the AVR? Yeah. You know, um, Amal Matu and EM Recess, uh, Sam, both of those guys are on uh, Twitter. They would love talking to you about EM cardiology, hey? Okay, so can you uh, summarize just like the key point behind AVRs then? Because again, it's the Rodney Dangerfield lead. Yeah, it, it doesn't get any respect. I, li I like it. So really, the most important piece is include it in your sequenced or stepwise way or algorithmic way you go through a 12 lead. Include it in there. It deserves respect. When you see elevation that meets AVR STEMI um, elevation, use a great resource like life in the fast lane or something like that to, to, to verify it. When you get it in your hand, you see, Oh my goodness, AVR STEMI matched with a group matched with a great clinical picture. That's when you're going to up care in this person, find yourself a doc, relay the information you found. Hey, this guy's got a great cardiac story. I see ST elevation in AVR. It meets AVR STEMI criteria. I think this guy's pretty sick. What do you think? And that patient with your colleague, you can make some great decisions with your docs on best plan of care for this patient to get the best care possible. I just had a thought. I'm worried. So, you know, you know those patients that, uh, like at your shop and my shop, we both use troponin I, right? So mm -hmm. high sensitivity troponin I, not troponin T, troponin I. And uh, typically, we get a lot of these, uh, we get a lot of patients that have a good cardiac history, but otherwise look well with a normal 12 lead to my own interpretation back then. 
um, and they get a serial troponin. I wonder how many of them I missed looking at the AVR lead and being like, the reason why we're we're checking sequential troponins is because they've got a good story and a concerning AVR. I'm just I'm just wonder. I'm just curious about how many that I've never thought about in that light. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to yeah. think about that, right? And the other one is AVR can actually get elevated with uh, a lot of demand ischemia, mm. which, um, you know, I mean, you can name a hundred pathologies that will cause cause that, but it's definitely something to, to be considerate and exactly what you're talking about. It like, makes you wonder, right? And you should be wondering uh, to become a better nurse, right? You should be wondering, how can I get better? Who have I missed? Uh, and who, who can I not miss going forward? Can you tell us a little bit about our stepsister, Wellens? Um, so once again, you are like a petulant <laughs> child. Um, you want what you want and you want it now. I think my toddler is easier to deal with than you. Um, how about this? If we get some listeners on this and if people indicate on Twitter that they want to hear more about ECGs and maybe some different pathologies that are not as typical, we will do a second advanced ECG, uh, information session, we'll call it in the next couple of weeks. All right. Boom. Top three pearls, baby. Hit me. So the top three pearls, number one is just being aware of some big, bad things that just, that aren't just your run of the mill everyday STEMI. So being aware of Scarbosa criteria and when to apply it to the left bundle branch block or the paste ventricularly paced rhythm. Uh, number two being your Brugada syndrome, sodium channel uh, problems with these folks, Southeast Asian um, folks as well, a history of family history of young sudden cardiac death, agonal nocturnal um, respirations, and uh, some syncope, all things to kind of cue you. And last one is that AVR STEMI, give it some respect, include it in your algorithmic way that you go through 12 leads always scanning it, asking yourself, does this meet AVR STEMI criteria? Wow. Yeah, because it's all taken, like, a lot of patients have chest pain with good stories. It's taken it to that other level. It's taken the good story, but do they have any other objectivity that we can find to find the the sick ones amongst the sea of the well-looking concerning story patients? Ah, that's a good take home. I like it, man. All right, brother. I, this wraps up our show. Your time is cut off, Rob. I'm done. We're done. I don't have to talk to you anymore today. I'll call you this afternoon. All right. This is Recess Tonight saying adios. Au revoir.